Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Brittany. And this week on the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we invite you to a party. A murder party. (laughs) Anyways, this week we're doing murder party. (laughs) Yes, and bring no guests, please. No guests at all. No guests. But apparently food. You, should, yes. you can bring pumpkin bread. With raisins. Uh, with raisins that are not <laughs> organic. Non-organic raisins. No. Um, so this week, uh, we kind of took a break from disturbing. Uh, originally, I went to do possession, but we can't. The 1981 one. But we couldn't find it anywhere streaming. So instead, I was like, let's just do something fun. So Murder Party is a 2007 horror comedy uh, written and directed by Jeremy Saulnier. If you know Jeremy Saulnier's name, it's probably because he directed the first two episodes of season three of True Detective. Um, he also did Hold the Dark. He did in 2018, but I haven't actually seen Hold the Dark. I heard it was boring which i'm kind of upset because his other two movies green room which was released in 2015 and blue ruin which was released in 2013 are fantastic Brittany, have you seen any of his other movies yes i have seen a uh, green room and so i love uh the late anton yelchin uh who's the I lead know. i love him and his of course like as most of you guys may know anton yelchin died tragically young um he was pinned by his own car uh, no. He was 27 years old. Um, very freak accident. Don't um, buy people. Yeah. And it's just like, it's awful because he was such a great actor. Like, he was very much like a theater actor as well as a film actor. And he was actually on the way to audition. Not audition. He was on the way to rehearse with um, some other actors he was in, like, a acting, a performance group with. And that's when it happened. Um, but Anton Yelchin is one of the league actors in Green Room. He's fabulous uh everyone's fabulous it's basically about a band that gets trapped in a green room um in a neo-nazi uh punk club and it's very visceral it has a very um 1970s uh feel the violence is very Mm -hmm. real it's very graphic um but yeah i love green room it made me really sad i don't know if i'll watch it again or maybe i will for the future of the blog but yeah i really want to do blue ruin and green room because blue ruin is amazing blue ruin is a lot lot sadder than green room even though it seems like it can't be um i love green room because not only i really liked anton yelkin in that movie yelchin yelkin sorry anton i'm sorry i don't know but anton i do know how to say anton because of chekhov's (laughs) first name um anton uh was great but also um and now i'm blanking on her name but she played maybe in Arrested Development, maybe Funke, and she also was. Oh, what is her name? Oh my God, you know who I'm talking about. Are we talking about one of the final girls? 
well, almost. Not Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots, who has a weird last name, is also in that movie. Now I have to look it up. So I like Green Room because not only does it star Anton Yelkin, who I think did a really good job. It was like one of his first like really like lead roles too, which is so sad that he died like right before this was um, released. But um, Aaliyah Shawcott, Shawcott, and I never know how to say her last name, but she was maybe Funke in Arrested Development. And she also was um, in this TV show called State of Grace. Um, about two little girls. Uh, one is Jewish and one is Catholic. And uh, the Jewish girl comes from the north and starts living in the south. And they're going to Catholic school in the 60s. And it's a great TV show. It was on ABC Family. Rest in peace. Um, but I love her. And she's always really funny. But she's she's in that movie too. And also Patrick Stewart is in it. Um, yes. <laughs> he's, and he's, he's a neo-Nazi, which is perfect for him because he's already bald. And he has a very demanding voice, and he doesn't have his usual um, Scottish-English accent. He's very, like, American and creepy. And there's something so calculating about his voice when he isn't his regular accent, because I think he has to think about it, but it causes it to be so meticulously slow and calculating that he just brings, like, this dread. Yeah. Um, It's almost like he's, like, the smart neo-Nazi, if there is such a thing that assists. Like, when they're smart, it's scary because okay. you may not outsmart them. There is one problem I do have with Green Room, though. And, uh, Kate, I, I know I won't get my, too much of my soapbox about this, but, of course, there's dogs that are some parts of the impact. Oh, yeah. And they're pit bulls. So, I'm like, oh, okay, like, here we go again. Like, making the yeah. pit bulls bag dogs. They're but, not. Um, and they're, they're the kind of pit bulls where people have trained them, to Because we all know... Uh, like, Brittany has a pit mix who is, like, the sweetest, calmest girl, even with other dogs. But, like, I've known pit bulls to, like, attack and rip my own dog's throat open because some, like, it is in their genetic nature. Unfortunately, humans were like, huh, let's breed all the really angry pit bulls and make them really angry. And so, unfortunately, it's part genetic, but also it's part who taught them. Yeah, and it's really and it's, sucky it's because like a lot a- of them are really sweet. It's like a very like big soapbox thing for me, and Katie knows this because, of course, yes. way before Pities, when we were kids, um, before Pitbull started getting the rap, it was Rockweilers were the bad dogs in uh-huh. movies, and then yes. and it was before that, it was like German Shepherds and Chow Chows, and I actually grew up with Chow Chow, who was like a very very good dog, and even as a kid, I shouldn't have been laying on her, but I would lay all over her and shit, and she would sigh yeah. and get up and walk away, and so I just like. I, I don't really have a problem with, like, dogs, like, being antagonists in some movies because, of course, there's always going to be a fear that some of us have of dogs. Um, I know a lot of yeah. people that just are scared of dogs and, you know, they've had experiences in their childhood that they just can't overcome. Um, and I understand that. But I'm like, damn it. Like, <laughs> I know, because it kind of perpetuates that stereotype. And, yeah, yeah, you should be – I think there are some dogs you need to be more careful around because some dogs – Either like pit bulls, they have a very strong jaw, and that's what is scary about them is that if they are bred or raised to attack people and they do attack you, they can cause a lot of damage, and that's why people are scared of them. But that's the same thing with a lot of bigger dogs, and that's why a lot of people are really afraid of bigger dogs. Yeah, because I I think a lot of smaller dogs are actually more aggressive than big dogs, but they have small mouths. That's exactly right. It's kind of like the daddy long legs excuse. It's like yes, daddy long legs. 
I don't even know if this is true anymore, but people used to tell me they were more poisonous than real spiders. But their mouths were so small they couldn't actually, like, inject you with venom. I don't know if that's true, but I wasn't afraid of daddy long legs when I was young. But I was afraid of, like, black widow spiders. So, like, you know, that's the scary thing. But then it's sad because it's like, but then the more you have it in movies, like, people are like, pit bulls are scary. And that's why there's so many pit bulls in shelters. But really, it it really depends on, there is some genetic, you know, predisposition but i think it really is more of nurture than nature it seems with them yeah but it I just depends so. dogs uh so way back to and uh, pit bulls from what i understand there's no really such uh breed as pit bulls it's more like an umbrella uh they use right. for like bull terriers and stuff but a lot of the bully breeds were actually trained as nanny dogs and they were trained to watch over and take care of children and that's actually what the dogs were originally uh, bred to do. And then just over time, of course, people are just terrible and start breeding um, them for fighting. Which yeah. is awful. Um, awful. And I watched that Michael yeah. Vick, like, Pitbulls and Parolees, yeah. I think, went to go help a lot of dogs that were in the Michael Vick house. And, like, I, like, bawled my eyes out about it. It was really sad. Like, well, I was I- like, what the fuck? What I always have told um, people, and it's actually, like, fact, not, like, you know, it's this is actual fact. So, no, n- every pit bull that's ever killed a human has always been an unneutered male pit bull. So, there's no, there's never been a female pit bull that's attacked with fatality, and there's never been a neutered male pit bull that has attacked with a fatality. So, I a lot of the pit bull that attacked my dog also was a male, although he was very sweet with people. Like, yeah. you would have never, there was no warning signs, and it, but it was one where, like, they were told they weren't bred or yeah. raised with violence, but it was, like, adopted, and it seemed fine. Like, my sister used to, like, sleep, like, it was my sister's boyfriend's dog, and she used to, like, sleep next to it. I had played with it before. He was fine with people, but he saw my dog, and he just latched on her neck, and they had to punch him in the face to get him to let go. It was really awful. And then their neighbor, because I think they were afraid of it, shot him, shot the dog. It was really sad. So, I mean, like, which I don't think, I don't think a dog, just because a dog has a fight with another dog, you should kill it. Because it could be something that you can train out of them. And, you know, but people, I mean, I do agree that people's lives, even though I love animals, do matter more than animals. So, if you have an animal that's going to kill a person... I do think a person's life is just a little bit more important than a, than an animal. But I'm also not okay with killing animals just because you think they might kill a person. Like, yeah. let them be unless there's actually something going on. Like, and, it, it depends. It's also sad. And we're Grindhouse Girls podcast, of course. But um, I am I'm a huge, huge animal lover. Huge, huge animal advocate. Um, I will tell anyone, too, the biggest thing with dogs, especially dogs that you adopt as puppies, is very big to get them socialized. So um, I'm not for sure with Katie, the incident Katie had, if the dog that attacked her dog uh, was socialized as a puppy. But a lot yeah. of times dogs are not socialized as puppies. They will grow up to be afraid of other dogs. Um, yeah. And that's something we very commonly see in the animal community. So, you know, as soon as your puppy gets their booster shots, please take them to the dog park. Put them on the take small dog the side. Let them yeah. Yeah. That's the scary thing is like, like when you adopt a dog and they already are. And that's why like, I'm not trying to say pit bulls are going to attack everybody. But I'm saying they have a really strong jaw. It's like a, I'm trying to think a bull mastiff. 
They have a very big mouth and they could actually hurt a human being. So like if you have a dog that has a higher potential to hurt somebody just because of its physicality, it's like if a person is really big and strong, but they're like a gentle giant, you're not going to be afraid of that person because you know they're a good person. So if you have a dog that has the potential to physically be intimidating, make sure they're socialized. Train them to not be because then no one's going to fear them. And that's what like bothers me is when people are just like, I'm just because a lot of bad people in the world get pit bulls because they have they're like oh everyone will be afraid of my pit bull and they chain them up and they leave them out and then they get abused and then they're violent because they get abused because you never socialize them and what's like, sad duh, is that's what's that we've also um in like i'm i uh follow like a shit ton of rescue groups on facebook because i'm a glutton for pu- punishment i want to save all dogs um and all cats those um, dodo but- videos that they show yeah. where like the animals like they found this animal and they were starving and then it's like six months later and they look beautiful it's great exactly but there have been cases where people have gotten pit bulls to be aggressive and they just can't get the dog to be aggressive because the nature is so sweet that they give up the dog um or they abuse it and some rescue group comes along so i mean it is like i believe it's actually i i believe it's in the nature of any dog including bullies to be just sweet loving dogs um another thing i will say People who are listening, um, dogs, do not leave your children unattended with dogs and do not let your children use dogs as jungle gyms either. Even if it's cute and it's a good video, dogs do give warning signs. A lot of times people will be like, my child climbed on the dog all the time and it just snapped at her. And it's like your dog was probably giving you warning signs. Look up these warning sign videos. Um, If you get a dog, it's a commitment. If you get a cat, it's a commitment. That's my soapbox. You know, you're making a commitment for the next 15 to 18 years. Um, They are like children. Sometimes they can be difficult to deal with, but uh, they're very worth it if you do find the patience to deal with it. They are. We love dogs. Yes. (laughs) And we love kitty cats. (laughs) Kitty cats. I'm allergic to cats, but I still like them. <laughs> At Grindhouse like, World Podcast, we love all people and all animals. So I love all people and all animals. Everyone's cool as long as you're not a neo-Nazi. Okay, you know what? If you <laughs> if you apologize, I will forgive you, but you have to make... Da- this has to be like an American X kind of apology. Like, soul bared, be a better person. And that didn't end yeah. up very well for that man either. So, Please that's just the only... You don't think they're going to cancel culture American History X, are you? Because they're obviously not saying it's cool to be a neo-Nazi. No. Okay, so American History X, I feel like if they had kept to the original ending, um, that may have been problematic. And I'm glad they didn't keep to the original ending because the original ending show him after... Spoiler alert for a movie that came out in 1999. Uh, originally, after his brother was murdered, it showed him becoming a neo-Nazi again, which to me defeated the purpose of the whole movie. Luckily, they Oh, decided- yeah! What the yeah. hell? Please don't be a racist or homophobic piece of shit. Like, just don't don't do it. Please don't be racist or homophobic. Like, if you can all... And honestly, like, even people that are like... I know, like, don't be racist or homophobic. But if, like, you don't understand, be like, I know I need to learn, but I just don't understand. That's different. Not understanding is not the same as being a homophobic asshole. Like, I'm like, yeah, there might be some people I don't agree with. Like, usually they're really bad people, so it's okay that I don't agree with them. But, you know, even somebody who I mildly disagree with, I'm not going to call them a slur because I disagree with them. I'm going to be like, you know, like, I don't know. You kill with kindness, you know? I know. I'm just like, you can be a bitch no matter your religion or your race. And that's just to me, like, a bitch is like a good term to describe somebody. And we don't have to tack anything on 
about sexuality, race, or anything. A person can just be a bitch if they're a bitch. Which, trigger warning, I forgot this movie, by the way, I'm apologizing now, there's a trigger warning for Murder Party because... I forgot because I'd only seen this movie once and I enjoyed it and it didn't stick in my brain that they use the hard R word and they also use the N word and they say it conversationally, but I completely forgot about it. Oh, I forgot until you just said that. I know. It's just because like, it's not like, I didn't even notice it the first time. Then I was like, oh, oh shit. But I you forgot know about what? this. You know what? I will say when they say the N word, the other character, one of the other characters, does call him out for being a racist piece of shit. Yes. I think. Yes. I think they literally say, "You racist piece of shit." So yes. I mean, like, it's not the worst reason to use the N word, but I have a feeling that this was made by a very young filmmaker, and I feel like it's maybe they're trying to be edgy. Like also, also all the characters in this movie, not to take away from the seriousness of using that word because it's an awful word, but they yeah. also seem to have affinity for the word dildo. I think the word dildo was said like ten times in this movie. Also, they're all a bunch of hipster assholes. So, like honestly, yes. I think they're trying to make the point that they're dick bags. Also, this movie was made in two thousand seven. It was a different time, but so, but back then, I think in two thousand seven, people that was when I graduated from high school. I'm pretty sure people still said it. It was kind of like people used to use gay as an insult. They would just be like, that's gay. And like, yeah. I was like, being happy or homosexual? Which one are you so, talking about? That is actually something kids still say. And I have to talk to some young children in my life about using that word. And they just, as my, as my nephew tried to so eloquently say, it's okay. Most of the girls in my school are bisexual. It's not a bad thing. I guess that's cute if he doesn't think being gay is bad. Yeah. But also... So, but he's 13 because I got onto him because he was calling like his buddies on the video game. He goes, I want to play the game with my boys. That's how he talks. And, uh, are, are uh, people, are people, do they know that they're bisexual at 13 or is it a fit? I'm not, I don't know. I didn't so know we, what I was. I, 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 my sister has a girlfriend and she's 13. And I, you know, I just treat it like it is what it is. Because I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I um, I'm supportive of her and I love her no matter yeah. what happens later in life. I'm here for her. I guess I'm surprised kids are so sure of themselves at 13 because I wasn't. I was afraid to date people at 13. I I knew I like <laughs> I knew I liked boys, but I I was such a late bloomer. I didn't even imagine like holding hands with a boy till I was probably like 15. Honestly. Like, that's just the way I was. I'm, I was a late bloomer. Well, I was physically an early bloomer, but functionally a late bloomer. Like, physically, I developed before everybody else. But then, like, honestly, it made me less popular for some reason. People didn't like me very much. I don't really know why. Because you, you always see, like, I'm like, I remember on Lizzie McGuire, her, like, arch nemesis had, like, big boobs. And everyone was like, oh, my God, everybody loves her. And I was like, that is not my experience of having big boobs. And I have another yeah. one of our mutual friends from college also, like, the same thing happened to her and we're also both like naturally blonde and those are the girls that everyone like loves in the movies but actually in real life people torture you because they're jealous that you have boobs and they don't and then they just like if you're a nice person and you have boobs or you develop earlier people just make fun of you and also you're pmsing so like everything is miserable so like yeah. i i didn't like i didn't like find myself until probably late high school early college which is fine i'm fine with it but Another uh, thing that uh, female culture is, uh, and this may be news to our male viewers that listen, um, is that uh, 
getting a period is also a very big thing and your whole cl- all your classmates will know or at least all your female classmates will know uh when you start having a period um and oftentimes because you're not you're getting used to this new thing that's suddenly happened to you monthly you may not be wearing the right kind of pad and you'll bleed through yeah that's that the thing that sucks. happens yeah that really sucks and honestly sometimes as an adult you'll like wake up like, especially if you sleep, that it only ever happens to me now when I, this is TMI, but like sometimes <laughs> you're asleep and if you're like me and you move around your sleep, sometimes you'll move and like it'll just move your body where you're, you don't have protection and you'll wake up and you're like, well, now I have to wash my sheets and I feel fucking embarrassed. No, you shouldn't feel embarrassed. It's a part of life and men, no, if, it's if you're lucky, if you're lucky to, enough to have beautiful women in your life that are your girlfriends or your wives, uh, this is something you will experience. And it will. <laughs> I will say, I can't remember what the comic, who made the comic, but there's this great comic. It's this girl and she, she wakes up in the morning. It's like this beautiful sunrise and there's just blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, yay, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> And it's just so funny. I just, I love that, that comic so much. Also, like, this is not the same comic, but Sarah Anderson comics. Oh, yeah. I love her comics. She makes, I, she has like hashtag, I think one's called, it's either called hashtag adulting or adulting is a myth. I think it's called adulting is a myth. I love her comics. They're so funny. And I feel like she knows me inside and out. Um, yeah. That's- so, anyways, I guess we should move on to murder party. Sorry, murder like party. we got off topic. Um, yeah. but we wanna we wanna it's it's not a super long movie, so this shouldn't be a super long um we've only been talking for 20 minutes off topic, so we're okay. Um this shouldn't be a super long uh episode. And the last episode this is episode I think 13. 13. Lucky number yeah. 13. Woo! Yes. Um everything's lucky. <laughs> Yeah, when you're yeah. on Grindhouse Girls podcast, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I had caffeine, so. <laughs> Anyways, so anyways, um, so we're on episode thirteen, and I think this week we released episode ten, which was super long because I thought about separating. It follows and under the Silver Lake, but I didn't want to because um, you can just listen to the first half. If you just don't want to listen to Under the Silver Lake. But you should. Because Under the Silver Lake, I think, is better than It Follows, personally. I liked it better. But I I think they're both really good. Yeah. I don't think enough people have seen Under the Silver Lake. And I love that movie. And I've been listening to uh, Added Up by uh, Velvet... Not Velvet Underground. Um. Oh! Oh, shit. What is the band called? It's not Velvet Underground. But it's... Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. Violent Femmes. That's what it is. Oh, there we the go. Violent I love added up by the Violent Femmes. I added that to my playlist. Okay. Anyway, so Jeremy Saulnier did Green Room and Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin is much sadder than Green Room because it's about a man whose parents were murdered and the murderer gets released. And he was, like, in high school when they got murdered. And so he's just, like, become a drifter. And he's just been in this arrested development where he just can't move past his parents' murder. And then his murderer gets a, gets released on parole. And he decides to take revenge. But he's, like, a normal guy. 
and he takes revenge like a normal person would, and so it's really messy. And it's very similar to Green Room in that way. So Blue Ruin and Green Room are really similar in like how they're done. This movie is like you can see good things are coming to this director, but there's a couple missteps in this movie, but I think it's a fun and wild journey. Um, but I will, I'll, I guess I'll summarize it a little bit since I picked this one this week. Um, I did write a little bit of a synopsis. Um, so Chris, a lonely and apathetic man, so lonely that even his cat, Sir Lancelot, takes him for granted. But when he finds a mysterious murder party invitation wafting in his direction one Halloween night, he steps out of his element, throws on a cardboard costume, and travels by MapQuest to an abandoned warehouse, only to find that it's not an innocent Halloween party, but rather his own murder to be carried out by pretentious hipster artists competing for a grant. And whoever can kill Chris in the most artistic fashion will get the grant and the respect of its donor, the mysteriously creepy Alexander. Can Chris stand up for himself and escape the murder party? I'm trying to be French. I don't know if that's working. <laughs> da, da, da. Watch the movie and you'll find out. I really like this movie. I think it's cute. I, I would recommend it. I do. I think we're jumping the gun. I told Brittany, I was like, May, I didn't really think about it until I was watching it about how much of a Halloween movie this is. But it would be a very good movie if you're looking for something to watch on Halloween. Because it's not super spoopy. But it's got really, like, it's got some really cool, like, bloody visual effects, which I liked. So, yeah, I don't know. Do we want to get into spoilers or do we want to wait? Yeah, I think we can get into spoilers. I was just okay. going to say something uh, about my, I, I was just going to say something. Uh, so my thing is, when usually when me and Katie uh, film, and we film, like, you know, we typically film Wednesday nights, and... Uh, what I'll do, I kind of got into the habit of Sundays being my off day. So usually I wake up Sunday morning, I fix myself some coffee, and I, I walk the dogs, and then I come back in and I watch her movie. And I'll, <laughs> and this was the type of movie that I was like, fuck, this is not a good movie to like watch first thing in the morning with a cup of coffee. This is definitely the type of movie, like if you had like a bunch of friends over and you guys like had mixed drinks to watch. Like that is yeah. this kind of movie. It would be a fun drinking movie or even, like I said, a Halloween party movie. It's yeah. real fun. I think the first time I watched it, because I had watched it before um, about a year ago, I actually heard it. And I know some people don't like this person anymore. And I'm kind of on the fence about him as a person and a critic. But Nostalgia Critic did a, like, new Halloween classic review movie, like, a video a long time ago. And it was on the list. And I was like oh, I don't know what that movie is, but that looks kind of cool. And then I saw Blue Ruin because Jay Bauman on Red Letter Media was talking about Blue Ruin. I think it was right before Green Room came out. He was talking about it. And so I watched Blue Ruin, and then I was like, oh, Jeremy Saulnier directed both of these movies? Okay, well, I guess I'll watch Murder Party. And I think me and my boyfriend watched Murder Party. And it was really funny. And it was we liked it. It was really fun. I, I do think it kind of lulls in the middle. Like, I was getting a little bored the second time watching it in the middle, but then it picks up and, like, moves on real quick, like, yeah. in the very end. So it's not, I, I will say, like, I, I think that's part of, like, being a new director. Also, this movie, so most people, I did, there's a documentary on YouTube 
about making this movie. So I did know that Macon Blair, who plays Macon, everyone has their first name in this movie because it was one of those movies where they didn't have character names down. They just like except, used everyone's names. Except the actress that played Lexi. I saw her first yes. name. Yeah. But somebody else was supposed to play Lexi. So I wonder if the original girl was named Lexi and ah. then she, they got recast. But um, so Jeremy Saulnier, uh, has been making movies with a lot of people um, in this movie um, for a long time. <laughs> They've been making movies since, like, middle school, I think. And Macon Blair is one of those people. Macon Blair is in Blue Ruin. He's the main character in Blue Ruin. And he's the nice neo-Nazi. I don't even know if he's a neo-Nazi, but he's the nice guy at the club who tries to help them in yeah. Green Room. So he's in pretty much everything he does. And Megan Blair, I think he's been in a couple other movies now, too. But basically, they all used to do movies together. Almost everybody in this cast used to do movies together when they were, like, in middle school. And then a lot of them went to film school, and then they went to different film schools. And then after film school, they were doing a movie that was a short film called Crab Walk, which I saw clips of, but I haven't seen the whole thing. And they thought that movie was going to get greenlit. And then it didn't. So they had Murder Party as an idea, and I think they had already he had already written the script. So they just decided to make a uh, murder party in the dead of winter in Brooklyn. And apparently like the warehouse they filmed in was not heated. So it was like 30 degrees when they were filming. Oh my which God. It's pretty realistic for like a Northern Halloween. So I guess that's okay. But yeah, it was pretty um, cold, but I thought it was cool that this is like, it, you can tell this is like the beginning of good things. Like there's a lot of potential in this movie it's very enjoyable, but I would not call it a parasite or a lighthouse or even a, what did we do? Oh, The Invitation. I think it, it, they're much more mature films. This is like a really, really, really well-made student film, but better made than a student film. But like, I get like, I get student film vibes from this, not in a bad way. Yeah. And I was reading too, like, um. That, of course, like, because it was him and his buddies that had all did this film together, that a lot of them were doing, like, double, like, so there was actors who are also acting as, like, cameraman and stuff like that. So they were mm -hmm. all doing kind of double duty on this Yeah. Movie. Yeah. The, the guy that plays Chris, Chris Sharp, who plays Chris, I think was one of the producers. I think he might be one of the only people who didn't work with them before. I think he was a producer and he already lived in New York when they came but everybody else pretty much, like, was part of that group. Like, I think the guy that played Alexander was part of that group. Like, they went to middle school together. I mean, yeah. So, it's, it, I love that. I love friends making movies together. I think that's really great. And he still does it, really, um, up until, I think, Green Room. And now he's gotten, like, professional actors. Oh, and the girl that plays Sky. Um, she's actually his wife in real life. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until the second time I watched it and I was like looking up on IMDb and I was like, oh, her last name's Saulnier. What is that? Oh, 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 it's his wife. And they're still married. So yay for them. Stay I married, kids, if you can. Yes. I also thought it was cute that Chris uh, Sharp, who plays Chris, uh, made the night costume and they that he wears in the movie and they gave him a costume credit. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. And it was a, it's just a cute movie. So I definitely recommend it. But I think we're going to definitely get into spoilers. Yes. And I guess we're going to kind of go through like the plot of it. Um, so if you don't want spoilers, stop listening 
and go watch the movie. It is streaming on Netflix right now, as well as I think Green Room and Blue Ruin are on Netflix now too. I know Green Room is definitely on Netflix. Yeah, and I think um, I think Hold the Dark, which is his newer movie, Jeffrey Wright and Alexander Skarsgård is in there, and and Macon Blair wrote the. Oh, and Riley Keough's in it. Okay, I do want to see Hold the Dark, but I heard it was kind of boring. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen it yet, which is weird because I don't think Blue Ruin... Blue Ruin is a lot more of a slow burn, kind of like The Invitation. Like, stuff happens, but it's a lot slower moving um, compared to Green Room. Because Green Room is like, you hit this point in the movie, and it never slows down, which is yeah. why I really want to both of those movies. But I just, I didn't, I needed something not depressing this week. I'm going to be honest. But, yes. so, yeah, I love Jeffrey Wright, though. If you don't know who Jeffrey Wright is, get out. Um, he's amazing. Wait, Brittany, do you know who Jeffrey Wright is? I know that name. To remind me what he's in. He's Mr. Wise in the Angels in America um, oh. miniseries. But he also just did Westworld. Okay, and it has been, I'll be honest, it has been forever since I've seen the HBO miniseries of Angels in America, like, literally years. And you uh, watch? Yeah. Oh, go go ahead, go ahead. No, and I've seen, uh, I don't know what it is with me in Westworld. I find it fascinating. I think it's an interesting premise. I know a lot of what happens in the show, but I've only seen, like, the first five episodes of the first season. I've seen the whole first season, and I've seen yeah. the beginning of the second season, but then I kind of lost interest. And it's not that it's bad. I just, like, I guess because they're, well, not spoiler because it's in the first uh, episode, but everybody's robots. It's kind of like, but they're robots. And I know that's the whole thing, like, oh, but they have consciences. But do they? Because they're still robots, and I don't know. Like, I know I it's love- a whole twist. Yeah, I love the idea of sentience, which is, of course, uh, like, yes. when you look at the laws of robotics and, like, the different things that's like, oh, robots should not harm a human, robots should not do this, and that's actually a big thing in, like, science fiction is, like, what if robots gain sentience and they start to feel and think like human beings do? Um, so I think it's fascinating. I love the soundtrack. Raman Dawaji, who uh, did uh, Game of Thrones, also does the music for Westworld, and it is Phenomenal. I'll just listen to the Westworld yeah. soundtracks. But the opening theme to Westworld's great. I love it. Oh, the intro, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So But also so yeah, sentience. I think Ex Machina and uh honestly Fallout 4 did it better. I didn't <laughs> like Ex Machina. I really wanted <gasps> I really wanted I to. I loved it. I really wanted to. I, 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 there was parts of it I liked. I liked parts of the movie. But as a whole, I didn't really like any character. And so by the time things happened at the end, I was like, well, okay. I didn't like, um, well, we won't even say if it's a he or a she, but the character that left in the end, I didn't like that character. But I liked the character that got betrayed by the character who left in the end. I did not like the other character, the third one especially. I thought he was a dick bag. Um, but Jeffrey Wright is in Westworld. Um, but also, I didn't see the episodes of him in Boardwalk Empire, but apparently he was on Boardwalk Empire. But he's also, if you saw Basquiat, or Basquat, I can never remember how to spell, how to pronounce that artist's name. Um, but he played Basquat, Basquiat, Basquat, Basquiat. You know, about the, the street artist, like the, the avant-garde artist. It's the oh. movie. Jeffrey Wright plays him. Um, he's been, apparently he's going to be the new Captain 
uh, Gordon, Commissioner Gordon. Ah. In the 2021 Batman. Okay, I'm cool with that. I like Jeffrey Wright. Interesting. Yeah. I, I loved anything Jeffrey writes in, he elevates the material, but he also is one of those actors that doesn't get enough recognition. And also, he does a lot of TV work. Oh, he was in Hunger Games. He was Beatty in Hunger Games. Oh, okay, yep. There we okay. go. I yeah. was like, you have to know who this person is. Anyways, yeah. I love Jeffrey Wright. Um, he's great. Uh, but apparently, he's in Hold the Dark. And I remember seeing the commercials for it, because I was like, ooh, Jeffrey Wright's in a movie, and Jeremy Solnier directed it? I want to see that. And then I heard it was boring. And it's, like, about people being, like, lost in the cold. And I don't know. It just seemed really depressing. But I probably will watch it eventually. But yeah. anyways, uh, Murder Party. I love Murder Party. I honestly do. I think it's a great little movie. I don't think it's brilliant. There are flaws about it. But I guess let's go through the movie and then we'll talk about the plots. Because it's not a very overly complicated plot. It's Thank really God. <laughs> it's all like when we went through Parasite and it took us like two hours to go through it because there's so much in Parasite that you just had to like do it. But there are a lot of callbacks to this movie, um, which I like. Um, so yeah, so we open with a simple Halloween pumpkin and some local kids smashing it, which I thought was great because you already know how this person's life is going. If little kids smash your Halloween jack-o'-lantern, your life is not going too well. And we meet our main character, Chris, played by Chris Sharp. And he's just, like, I thought he had, like, the worst Halloween plan. Like, good, but also bad. Uh, he was going to watch B-movies, which, by the way, all of those films on uh, that he rents, rents, they're all fake. It's like yes. the Mr. Robot horror movie that they have in Mr. Robot, which is totally fake. And I like, uh, I, I have to say real quick, I like the opening, like, scenes that you're talking about. So it's like... You see the pumpkin getting smashed, and you see, like, someone putting money on the counter and renting movies, and you see, like, panning, and it's, like, Halloween, you see kids dressed up, and all this, like, very, and you just feel like, oh, you're just, like, have a little opening montage, and then you realize, like, when you see Chris actually holding the movies, um, that it's, like, what he's seen on his Halloween morning, like, his little commute, which I yeah. thought was, was cute. I love it. I think it's a really, I think that there's a lot of really good sequences in this movie. I think that's really great. Um, and it also reminds me a little bit of, like, uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, where it's mm -hmm. very, like, which was on the same Nostalgia Critic list, ironically. But it's very, like, Halloween-y. Like, you see people, like, or even, like, the beginning of the first Halloween movie, where you, like, you see the first part of that movie is just everybody's, like, buying their costumes, discussing what they're doing tonight, talking about that boy that Jamie Lee Curtis likes. I think his name is Ben Trainer because then he gets, like, killed because he's wearing a Halloween Michael Myers mask but he's not Michael Myers because he bought his mask and Michael Myers stole his mask because he's a bad man anyways so <laughs> so um, we, we see Chris and I think my favorite part and there's a callback so Chris does two things that uh, sets his life is he takes anxiety medicine on a timer like, like clockwork his little watch goes off he takes his pills always has them with him so obviously he has a lot of anxiety problems and then his cat whose name is sir lancelot um disrespects him enough to not even get off the stupid chair he doesn't even have a couch in his apartment he just has a chair and the only chair is being inhabited by the little cat and the cat won't even get up off the chair which i know cats can be kind of jerks sometimes but most cats if you're like 
if Brittany was like, hey, Pogo, get off my chair, like, Pogo would probably move eventually, but he doesn't even... Pogo would do this. I want to tell you what Pogo would do. He has a, he's an old man. He has a very creaky meow. He'd go, like, if I tried (laughs) to move him, he would move, but he'd be very upset about it. But he would move. Yeah, that's why I'm like, but he doesn't even try. He's like, fine, I'll sit, I'll just stand. And he's eating candy corn, which is the worst Halloween candy. Uh, That is awful. I don't know how people eat that shit. I mean, I will. I have to have one, like one kernel every season, but like I generally don't enjoy it. I can't have more than just a couple. So yeah, so he's having a terrible Halloween, and so he, when he's walking home, he gets this like it's like it's like magical. It's like this beautiful envelope, and it's like you're invited. And it's, like, to a murder party. And I'm pretty sure it says, like, don't bring any guests, I think. Yeah. And so, like, he's, like, hmm. And at first he ignores it. But then finally, like, he's, like, you know what? I'm going to go. Like, he he breaks out of his shell. And he's, like, I'm going to go to the murder party. Because, you know, I would think it was a Halloween party, too. But also, I would probably call and tell somebody in my life that I was going to a party by myself. I don't know about you, Brittany. I I I would, but I mean, I feel like it's mentioned later that he doesn't really have anybody, which is really I sad. Know. I know. Yeah. Feel bad for him. So he, so he he goes to like this box that says. I, there's a lot of really cute little sequences. He goes to this box of like Halloween costumes. And he pulls up this giant like troll mask. And he's like, nah. And then he ends up just making a knight costume because he loves Sir Lancelot, his cat. Yeah. Out of the box that was Halloween stuff and duct tape, and it's great. And so he's looks like trash, and he's walking through New York City. Okay, but uh, you forgot. You forgot. Okay, so Chris what? is like the cutest person too, and I feel like I would be friends with him. Like, yeah, he's kind of boring. But that's okay, because he has a sweet personality, and he actually cannot go to the party empty-handed, so he makes some pumpkin bread. Oh yeah, yeah. He makes pumpkin bread with raisins, which is very yes. important later. So he makes, he even brings food, and he brings the candy corn. He brings the candy corn and the pumpkin bread to the party. Oh, so he puts the candy corn outside for trick-or-treaters. Oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. He says, like, I'm taking the candy corn. Uh, Yeah, so he he takes some pumpkin bread to the party, and I love this sequence because, like, you just see him, like, walking through New York City, and then he's on the subway, and this guy is, like, cussing him out, and he's just, like, staring his head, like, deer in headlights because i'm like yeah that's that's what i did in New York i think City like it's like me. i think that subway thing is like hilarious because i think it's supposed to be a rapper who's like using him as like a test audience yeah that happened to me in new york once it wasn't a rapper <laughs> though we were riding the subway and we were with some people from school and because i went to new york twice like for a school trip so i didn't really get to do anything like i had fun because like i did get to go see some broadway shows and, like, I got to go to Times Square, but I didn't get to do, like, anything sightseeing-like because, like, I was too busy with workshops. But anyways, we did we did our first day, the second trip, we went and rode the subway all the way to where it ended and rode back, which was kind of cool. Um, I felt like uh, Hey Arnold on that episode where they get stuck on the train. Which We're all here cool. off the subway. Subway. We've been stuck inside this car for way too long. Way too long. Oh, it's cold and it smells and something, something, something. Let's all all hold hands here on the subway. It's a great song. I love that episode. 
Yes. Arnold delivers a litter of puppies. He does. To for a blind man. It's a blind for man. A blind man who didn't know his dog was pr- a girl. I don't and know then if that the other, he says, "Oh, but daddy!" He starts crying. The other guys come up and like start patting him on the right. back. <laughs> and then, and uh, crazy grandma fixes the subway. She's oh, my yeah. favorite character. Gertie is the best. Like, if you don't aspire to be Gertie later in life, something's wrong with you. I love Gertie and I love Helga, and it's very strongly suggested that Gertie was just like Helga as a little girl. So they're exactly. my two favorite characters. Strong ladies who might be a little crazy. It's fine. Um, so he rides the subway. But yeah, when I was on New York, like I it was on New York. When I was in New York, I was riding the subway and it wasn't a rapper, but there were these like three or four people and they were like performing and they just got on the subway like, hey, and they just were like clapping and singing. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? Because I'm not used to this. Cause like there's not a subway in Alabama anywhere. There's one in Atlanta. But there's none in Alabama. And so, like, I don't ride a subway regularly. I've been on the subway in Washington, D.C. And I've been on the subway in Atlanta. And I've been on the subway in New York. But, like, it's just not a thing. There is a train in Alabama. You can take a train from Alabama to New Orleans. And people do that. But, like, it's just not. People don't ride the subway here. Um, We don't have the infrastructure. That's why we lost the Civil War. I say we, my family is from the North, but that's why Southerners lost the Civil War. History lesson, infrastructure wins wars, people. So, you know, don't be an agricultural uh, place and try to win a war, because if you don't have trains, you're going to get real messed up. Anyways, history lesson. So, yeah, so he's on the subway, and this guy's, like, rapping at him really angrily, and he's just staring straight ahead, which I was like, yeah, it's like you go to a big city or any city and you just start ignoring. Like, I just ignore people that talk to me. And it's not because I'm trying to be rude, but I'm like, I don't know if you're a bad person or a good person. And I'm not trying to judge you, but I also don't think like a nice person would like be yelling at me on the street. I don't know. Exactly. Maybe I'm crazy. Anyways, so after he takes the long walk, and I love that he had to. He had to print out the map from MapQuest because Google Maps did not exist at this point. I was like, yes, I remember MapQuest. You'd have to print out your directions and figure out a way to get there. It was great. Um, And before that, people just used actual maps and looked like idiots walking down the street with giant Um, maps. Yeah, and I remember living in a time where if me and my mom were going to a concert when I was a teenager, that I would Google MapQuest and print out directions. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you had to go to your friend's birthday party and your friend lived out in the middle of nowhere, guess who got to go to MapQuest? Amazing. Yeah. I miss MapQuest. I think they might still be around, actually, but they're kind of like Google Maps has taken over. It's very sad. Or maybe Google Maps might own them now. Maybe. My dad makes maps for a living, so, like, we've talked about maps a lot. He's a He's a geologist by degree, but he's a cartographer by trade, so Which he does a lot of it's pretty cool. Like, you know, and also nobody ever knows what a cartographer is. So when I tell people my dad's a cartographer, they're like, what? And I'm like, he makes maps. <laughs> like, you know, he, yeah. moves. he used to say like, my job is just moving lines from one side of the computer to the other all day. And I was like, yep, yeah, pretty much. I mean, but it's important because people need to know where they're going. Exactly. You know? And it's not true, Buster Bluth. All the places in the world haven't been explored 
like people need to know the oceans that's that's the next thing is like people mapping the oceans because the oceans are pretty unknown anyways so he's on the subway he gets there and he's like walking through these like deserted parts and then he does the best thing because he starts running i'm like that's what i do when i'm alone in a city like i like start walking real fast and i'm just like I don't trust anybody. Even like, honestly, even in the country, I'm like, I don't trust anybody. I'm walking real fast. If I walk fast enough and aggressive enough, no one will hurt me. It's fine. Um, like swinging those arms around. And then he like gets to the murder party and there are all these like hipsters there. And we've got Macon, played by Macon Blair, who's dressed as a werewolf. We have a very flirtatious Lexi who's dressed as, I don't remember, I, I remember the character from Blade Runner, but I think her name's Pris or Priest. Yeah. I don't remember how you say her name, but she has, like, the blue face thing. You remember her. I think, doesn't, what's her face from Kill Bill play her in Blade Runner? And I didn't think it was Uma Furman. I could no, be no, wrong. no, 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 Daryl Hannah. Oh, Daryl, that's what, I'm sorry, Daryl Hannah. I don't think it, maybe, maybe it's Daryl Hannah. I've completely forgot. Wait, I feel like it's Daryl Hannah. It's Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah plays Priest. Wow. Sorry. So she's Daryl Hannah's character from Blade Runner. And uh, that's played by Stacy Rock, who's like the only person who isn't doesn't have their real name as a character name. But I'm pretty sure we said this earlier in case we uh, knock it out. Uh, I think somebody else was originally playing Lexi. So maybe that person's name was Lexi. I don't really know. That wasn't an answer on the documentary. And there's, like, this little, like, sweet bleeding heart, like, I don't know if she's a vegan, but she acts like a vegan. Uh, Sky, who's, like, dressed as a zombie cheerleader, played by Jeremy Solnier's wife, Sky Solnier, who, like, was, I think she was in, she's in Blue Ruin, but I think she's just a producer for Green Room, but she still works on his projects, too. And then there's this pretentious photographer named Paul, played by Paul Goldblatt, and uh, he's, like, dressed as a Victorian vampire. And then the last person, who might be my favorite one, and I might like his costume the best, is this apathetic gamer and painter named Bill. And he's dressed as, I think it's the Baseball Furies from the Warriors. Yes. By William Lacey. And um, basically, Chris walks into all of these weird people hanging around. And there's, like, plastic sheets everywhere. And there's all these weapons. And he walks in, and they act, like, really nice. And then Macon, like, has an axe, and he's about to, like, hit him. But then the axe gets caught, and because they're all idiots, because they're all hipster artists. And uh, they end up, like, just tying Chris up. And apparently, the murder party is to decide who wins a grant from this douchebag named Alexander. Which, who goes by Alexander? Nobody goes by Alexander. Al, Alex, Allie. I don't know anyone who goes by Alexander. Who's not yeah. a dick bag? Why do I like the word dick bag so much today? I don't really know why. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's pretty funny. I don't know. Anything else to add? I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking a lot, Brittany. No, you're good. You're good. So, um, yeah. And so I think it's funny because, of course, like poor Chris is like, hi, I'm Chris. And like, he's just like really trying, man, to like get out there and like make some conversations. And like you said, they. They uh they end up tying them up, and I can't remember the exact chain of events, but of course they're like talking about like, and then I can't remember if this is before or after. I think it's before that Chris escapes, and he gets 
he runs and runs away, and there's like a chase that ensues, and it's really funny because Macon grabs a, a chainsaw, but he has to plug it in to the wall, so he unplugs it. He accidentally unplugs it while he's running, and Chris runs into the closet and locks himself in, and he's looking around at these weapons, and there's not really a lot of weapons, but you're like, okay, he's going to think of something, and like, oh, there's a fire extinguisher. So you're like, oh, he's going to grab the fire extinguisher and extinguish him. And instead, he like literally opens the door and just froze the shit at them and tries to run it. Of course, they catch him. And it's, it's so just funny. funny. It's so funny. And it's very much like one of those... Um, the sense of humor behind this film is a very particular sense of humor that I think there's going to... It's going to be divided that half the people are going to laugh their asses off and the other people are just going to be like, this is so stupid. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's stupid, but it's funny stupid. And also, like, it is a little bit like changing your expectations because like you expect him to do this but he actually does this and that's what i really like jeremy sawney's works especially his works with making blair's i think they've all done stuff with jeremy sawney since then i think and before then but making blair i guess they must be really close because like they're always in cahoots together when it comes to movies and i like that there's this everyman quality to all of the the main characters like the main character blue ruins and everyman like, he wants to get revenge, but doesn't really know how to get revenge, so he fucks everything up. And then uh, Green Room is like, like, what would you do if a bunch of neo-Nazis just locked you in a fucking green room? Like, it's yeah. very much like, what would I do? Like, you can put yourself in their place. So, like, I like that about his films is because it puts regular people in heightened situations, but they're not so heightened that they're unbelievable, you know, like, I could believe a bunch of hipster artists might kill somebody for art because I'm pretty sure that's happened before. Not yeah, I, I feel like and I feel like this has been a thing in scary movies, too, uh, about, like, artists killing people for art. It's just not, it's always given in a much more serious light, too. Yeah, I kind of like this humor, though, because it's making fun of how stupid and pretentious artists can be. And this comes from people with arts degrees. Um, but, uh, like some people don't understand that artists can be pretentious. Like they think that just because they love your music, you must be a nice person. That's not always true. I yeah. love Christian Bale as an actor, but he's a real douchebag when it comes to personal life. Like I just found out this weekend that apparently he punched his mother in the face, which apparently she was stealing money from him, but still you don't punch your mother in the face. Artists are pretentious. And I've had people be like, why don't you like this artist? And I'm like, because I find them pretentious. I find the Coen brothers a bit pretentious. Honestly, yeah. I finally watched Blood Simple, and I don't think we should do it on the podcast, because honestly, until the end, it's pretty fucking boring, because they're trying to be pretentious. You know what? And I also even think about, like, he's not a great person, but I really do like Kanye West's music. Like, I like, uh, I know a lot of songs by Kanye West that I really, really like, and uh, 808... AOS and Heartbreak is like such a good album, but it I love Gold Digger and that's about it because I he's just so annoying as a person that I didn't want to listen to his music. It really turns me off when people are pretentious. And it's bad because he's so like he has some really, really great music. And I have a close friend that went to his concert, like one of his concerts, and he's like, he's a great artist. Like his stage shows are incredible. But he's just an asshole. Um, I do think that is, like, unfortunately a very common trope. And I think you, it's funny you brought this up because uh, Jeremy actually said a quote. And he said, 
the bickering dipshits in the film are modeled over after the filmmakers themselves. So he's making fun of essentially him and his own friends. So yeah, I mean yeah. they're very. They're all. They all think they're the best artists. There's one part where they're playing truth and or dare, and they're like, "Who's the best artist?" And everybody raises their hand, like, "Ha ha ha!" Because like, to make it in the art world, you have to think you're the best. And yeah. I'm saying any art world. And you do, even if you don't think you're the best, you do have to still have a high opinion of yourself because if you don't, you will get teared down so easily. But yeah, there is, um, so very early on, and I thought this was kind of, this was like the first moment because I, I, when you watch this movie, especially if you go into this movie kind of blinded, which is what I decided to do, um, you don't really see anything coming. Like you said, the movie kind of turns itself, your your expectations on yourself. And so very early on, Sky, who's kind of like the only one that's sweet, she's like, okay, let's make a compromise. How about we don't kill him, we just beat the shit out of him. And then leave it like we're going to kill him. And then Chris is like, okay, like, you know, naughty. Like, okay, like, I can be beaten, whatever. Cool. Like, just don't kill me. Um, And she's eating the pumpkin bread when she's saying this. She's she's trying to come with a a compromise. Exactly. And you've got the feeling like she's the only, like, nice one. Um, And then, like, so she's like, oh, you know, um, is is there raisins there? And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And it's like, is it organic? He's like, no. And she's like, oh, okay. Oh, I have an allergy. I just need to sit down. And so you think, like, okay, something's about to happen. I did not see her falling over and busting her head completely open. (laughs) I know. I think that's what, like, if you you, uh, tell people about this movie and you just say it's a comedy, like... People will not be prepared for the bloodshed because there's a lot of bloodshed in this movie, but it's pretty funny. I don't know, like, it's funny because it's like, it's comical. The timing is comical, but the special effects are really good in this movie and look really real. And so she gets like, she gets, she like falls over. And the sad thing is, Macon is getting her a box to sit on. She's going to sit down. And then she just falls over, and then she gets back up because she's just like, oh, I think I'm okay. And you just see the side of her head has this giant hole in it, and there's just blood, like, spurting out. And then she passes out, and she bleeds to death on the floor. And then they're like, (laughs) they're like, oh, fuck, what do I do? And then they're like, oh, Alexander's on his way, because he's this guy who apparently tells all of them that I have these like $30,000 in grant money and I'm going to give it to whoever performs the best murder at the murder party. So he's been like making them work for weeks. So they like want to impress him and they don't want to tell him about sky dying. So they like put her in a freezer, but they don't use the plastic wrap because they're like, no, no, that's for the actual murder, not for sky. <laughs> like they're such dicks. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt really bad for Skye, and I felt bad for Chris, because I was like, oh my god, she's sane! Oh, she's, she's got, she's reasonable! Yeah, and I was like, oh, oh no, oh yeah. fuck, shit, like, oh well. It's so, so sad. And yeah, yeah. And Alexander does show up at the party, and he's very pretentious, he's an asshole, he brings his, uh, his drug dealer Psycho, Psycho, is that how you pronounce it, C-Y-C-K-O? Psycho? Psycho, like Psycho, kind of reminds me of Psyche from Climax. Yeah, and he brings his cute dog, Hellhammer. Hellhammer is very cute, and uh, I love Hellhammer. He's like, uh, he's what are they called them? It's a little Japanese Shiba Inu. He's yeah, Shiba Inu from like a little Japanese dog called Shiba Inus. They're so cute. Yeah, There's a lot of YouTubers I follow that have them, and I'm like, I want you because they're adorable and they're part wolf. 
But he says part dingo, which I don't know if the dingo is correct. But yeah. he's trying to make it sound scary. <laughs> I think so, or maybe like pretentious, because you'll hear people that are like rich or like, my dog is half wolf. And it's yeah. like, because like a lot of times, like it's actually illegal in certain states to own half wolves. And that's why they end up going to animal sanctuaries. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just because there's a lot less predictability, which I love all dogs. So if the dog has wolf in it, um, my uncle had a dog that was half wolf, and she was a great dog. Um, so I don't mean it like that. I'm just meaning it's they're unpredictable. Anyway, I don't think the dog has a dingo. It is what I'm trying to say. So, so Hellhound comes in. We yeah, Hell- like Hellhound. Yeah, or Hellhammer. Hellhammer. I'm sorry. Hellhammer. No, you're good. Uh, Hellhammer comes in, and so they end up uh, very early on. Lexi takes Hellhammer outside and um, and ties him up, and which is good because I'm glad they end up taking Hellhammer outside because it gets a little dangerous inside. Alexander is a prick. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of. I feel like this is one of the slower parts of the movie where there's a lot of like dialogue about like you know if he really does have the grant money. You get to set up a love triangle where uh, Lexi's obviously interested in Alexander. Macon's in love with Lexi. I don't think she's really. Do you think she's really interested in Alexander? I think she's just trying to get that grant money with that booty. Oh, that could be true. Yeah, like maybe I don't know. I don't know if she just wanted to have sex with him. Like I don't really know. Because they see him as a great artist, too, even though, like, very early on, Paul was like, we, or not Paul, um, uh, is it Paul? Paul's the one in the vampire costume. Okay, yeah, so very early on, Paul is like, uh, you know, we never seen these pictures, but anyway, they still hold him, like, in high regard kind of thing. Yeah, supposedly Alexander's, like, this really famous artist, and he has a bunch of money, and he's going to give them grant money. Because, like, when you want to be an artist, I mean, Brittany and I were talking about this, like, <laughs> like both of us, like, put our art careers aside because we had to pay off our student loans from art school. So yeah. if you get a grant and you can pay off your student loans, that's a great thing. Also, in a marriage story, that's a big thing, is he gets a grant as well. He yeah. gets a... a I can't remember what they're called, but a really famous artist grant. I can't. What is it? I can't remember what it's called. But he gets like a really. I can't remember, but I'd heard of it before. I was like, oh, that thing, cool. So, uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, they. Oh yeah, and before before Alexander showed up, they uh put vinegar on him because they they were like they were like. Uh, Sky was like, I brought acid, and it's in this giant glass jug, but it's acetic acid, which is vinegar. So then everyone smells like pickles. Yeah. So, so uh, Macon loves Lexi, and Lexi sleeps with Alexander in a windowed room where you can see them having sex, which is really funny. But also, it's like, well, that's fucking weird. And then he was like, her. What did he say? He's like. He goes up to Megan after he's like, yeah, sorry, her pussy just called, yelled to me, and then he yells, and it's really weird. Yeah. Um, but they have sex, and then uh, Alexander decides that they need to wait for the witching hour to actually kill Chris, because that's weird. Yeah. And so instead of just killing him right then and there, they sit and play Ultimate Truth or Dare with Truth Serum. And this was, by the way, so this was, uh, like, it's truth serum in the movie, but it's actually saline uh, with needles that they really did use. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you guys, I'm scared of needles, so I would probably be like, nope, we can't do this. Like, we're going to have to use another person's arm and do a close-up, because I can't do it. I'm scared of needles, so. They also make um, 
Chris takes some too. Oh, and I want to point out that Alexander uh, also injects his shot into his piece of pizza. So he doesn't do Piece it. of pizza. Yes. Dick. So like everybody else is being really honest and truthful. Macon's like, I love you, Lexi. And Lexi's like, Bill, we're kicking you out of the collective because we're all jealous of how good you are. And then I don't remember. Bill's like, I'd rather be at home watching a movie with my mom and dad, which I thought was really sad. I was like, oh, go home. Um, but it's like all these people are like, and I don't know what Paul said. Oh, Paul said he was bisexual. But, yes. So they, they all make real life confessions. And then Chris is like, they turn to Chris and Chris, they finally take his thing out because he had a pun to say. It was like, I'm having a weird night, but with a K because I'm dressed yeah. like a knight. Sorry, don't punish me. It's great. It's I love puns. I love uh, also that they like rapid question Chris, where it's like they finally want to get to know their victim a little mm-hmm. bit, I guess, before they kill him. And like one of the questions they ask him is like, "Are you a virgin?" He's like, "No." And like I just think it's really funny because like me personally, like I I don't care if someone's a virgin or not. Like I think that's a choice. But oftentimes in horror movie tropes, it is such a big deal. And so I think it's, like, really funny that, like, even in the midst of everything, they still have to get, like, that virginity jab. And Chris is like, no. And just, like, they move on to the next question. Yeah. What if if he was? Would they have not killed him? I don't know. Because it's just so funny. Like, that that, that was something. And I guess it's because you see a man like um, Chris and you may make assumptions about him because he's so awkward. Yeah. Um, and just because you're an awkward person does not mean you're not capable of having sex. So, I mean, at least not without not without your anime pillow. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> your waifu. Your waifu pillow. I'm just kidding. I have one too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, don't. But, but I did almost buy one for. <laughs> Poor costume, because I was Pam from Archer, and my boyfriend was Dr. Krieger, and Dr. Krieger has a anime waifu who's a hologram, and we almost, like, they, we were trying to find a pillowcase for one of those body pillows that had her, and, like, we couldn't get it in time, and I almost painted it so he could carry it around with him, but we decided it was too complicated, but I almost bought one for the costume, but I didn't, because... It was going to be too much. If I didn't share my bed with a husband, two dogs, and three cats, I would probably get a waifu pillow, too. Like, it's just I mean, there's I had a body bed. pillow. But honestly, <laughs> sometimes body pillows I don't like to cuddle up with. Like, it's fine. Plus, I have, like, shoulder pain. So if I'm, like, sleeping weird, like, I wake up and my shoulder's stiff. So now I just have to sleep like a mummy now. It doesn't work, but, you know, I try. Um. Anyways, so, yeah, they, they he's not a virgin, he works for the NYPD, but he's not an officer. He just works, like, clerically, like, doing tickets. And he and makes $26,500. 26. Yes. He said 26000 I was like, oh, my God, that's so little. This I is, like, 2007, that. though. So, like, judge for inflation, maybe it's more like forty. I don't know. Yeah. So, like, like he's not rich. His apartment's tiny, but it's also New York City. So only millionaires have big apartments in New York City. It's probably why he only had a chair, because the apartment's so small. Um, yeah, so he, and he's like, and I didn't tell anybody I was going here, and I'm kind of a nobody, so nobody's gonna miss me if I die. Ah, fuck. So, and I don't know if truth serum really works, but apparently it does. Sodium penthol? Sodium pentothal. Pentothal, sorry. Sodium pentothal. Um, and I can't remember what the, 
Zyko or Psycho, Zyko, Psycho. It's with a Z. I can't remember what he said, but I think he said it, dealing it was drugs. The, it was the N thing. The N word. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, that's what happened. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, how did they lead into it? Oh, because he was like, I like dealing drugs better than selling pierogies, but you have to deal with a lot of N-words. And then somebody said, you're a fucking racist. And yeah. then Lexi's like getting all like philosophical. And she's like, I think the N-word is like, oh, her, she says it. She's like, I think it's like the most hurtful word in the human language. It's so powerful because it's hurt so many people. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. Like hipsters, shut up. Like, yeah, just stop saying it, you dickbags. Anyway. But then they ask Alexander because they think he's taking the truth serum. And I think Chris is the only one who saw him not take it. Um, He they ask him, like, oh, do you actually have thirty thousand dollars? Like, yeah, more like half a million. And then he then they like all start partying and he goes and fucks Paul in the same room he fucked Lexi in, which which is actually really funny because the shot's completely the same. It's just Paul. Yes. place yeah it's just completely switched which i wonder like you can't really see the person behind them the way the curtains are so i wonder if like it was just them like pretending the whole time yeah because uh it was it was really funny it's it's very funny sex scenes and they're not graphic so because everyone's oh, no. like it's like you can only see their head and shoulders yeah it's pretty funny because everyone's fully clothed also like lexi's wearing a bodysuit so how is she fully clothed unless she had a zipper in the bottom like, and they were still having sex. I, I don't know what's going on. It's pretty funny, though. So, Macon uh, poured a bunch of alcohol over himself when he was depressed. And so, he goes outside to light a cigarette and accidentally lights himself on fire. Yes. And he and the only person who sees is Chris. And he can't say anything because his mouth is gagged. And so, like, he's, he's wearing this, like, rubber uh, werewolf mask. This was, like, my favorite... Uh, FX thing, by the way, is they like melt the werewolf mask into his face, and yeah, they call um, it wolf melt too, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, wolf melt. Um, oh yeah, and Paul calls his assistant to come help him light the murder. So Paul's taking pictures of the murder, and then everybody's mad because he invited the assistant, and it's one more person that has to keep the secret. And so they start fighting, and then Paul injects Alexander with the truth serum, and they ask him again, and they discover that Alexander is not rich. Alexander is a fry cook, and he's planning on killing all of them, and then and selling their art. Kill, he even's gonna kill Hellhammer. He's like, I'm gonna take him and get him put to sleep. And I'm like, yes. what the hell's wrong with you? Because he says puppies are cute, and he's not cute anymore. I was like, it's a Shiba Inu. They're perpetually adorable. You shut your face. And this is, like, at the point where you're like, yeah, you deserve to die. Like, you're already an awful person, but you just overstepped the line, sir. So, yeah. So, Zyko starts shooting everybody, because um, Alexander tells him to. And he shoots Paul in the head, and Paul doesn't notice. He's like, the lighting's all messed up. And then he dies, and I think he shoots the assistant, too. And then... Macon like passes out because he finally runs in burning and uh Hellhammer eats a bunch of cocaine and attacks Alexander, which is great. Yes. It's great. It's, it's wonderful. Great. He like rips his face off, which is actually I don't know if you've seen the uh, movie Cabin Fever, like the Eli Roth one. Uh-huh. But I, I was finally thinking about this girl like like getting her face ripped off by the like oh, dog. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was wondering if it was a call out to that movie, but then I couldn't remember which one would come out first. So 
I'm pretty sure Cabin Fever came out first. But this movie's much better than Cabin Fever. I didn't think Cabin Fever was very good at all. I thought it's it was very gore porn, and I do not like gore porn personally. Yeah, there's yeah, there's just no yeah. Cabin Fever was 2002. Okay. It's mostly like Cabin Fever just Eli Roth just wants to be so edgy, but he wants it too much. It's like Quentin Tarantino, maybe he's not as edgy anymore, but way back when was edgy, and people really liked it because he wasn't trying too hard. He was just like, I like all of this eclectic music and I like these weird movies that nobody watches and I'm going to homage them in my movies and fuck everybody who disagrees with me. And because he's a talented filmmaker, people loved it. Yeah. Like Eli Roth is like, I want to be edgy. So I'm going to try to be edgy. And he tries too hard. This movie kind of borders on that. I think it's a lot of trying to find your footholds. And I think it does kind of lull in the middle because Jeremy Saulnier said he those were the most challenging scenes for him were the ones where people were just talking. And I think that's why a lot of his movies have more talking during action and less downtime because I think he really shines when he's doing action scenes. And not action like action, but like active scenes. Active scenes, which should be more. Not action, but active scenes. I think when he's like... I think he kind of lulls when people are just sitting around, which is maybe why people didn't like Hold the Dark because it might be really quiet because people like lost in, I think it's like either Alaskan or like North Pole or South Pole wilderness. Like it's somewhere cold. Um, but yeah, I, I love this. And then, and then I think they finally kill Zyko. Oh, that's what Macon is so mad because he wakes up and uh, Lexi's been attacked by Zyko that he uh, kills him with a chainsaw. Yeah, and, and she then... So, yeah, because he, like, chokes her out, and then he cuts Psycho's mm-hmm. leg off. Yeah. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, it gets really gory. The gore is really good. It's really well done, and it's really good. I think that's the, the thing about this movie, is, like, it's very funny, and then all of a sudden it's just straight-up gore fest. But, like, in a good way, because they're trying to, like... Because they're all assholes, and it's kind of funny. Like, it's comically gory. It's, again, what Cabin Fever was trying to do, but didn't do very well. Uh, Which, maybe this movie was just like, you know, let's do it this way, and this will be a little better. Um, But, basically, um, Lexi tries to untie Chris, and Bill snaps. Like, everyone told him his art sucked, and that they hate him, and they're jealous of him. And he snapped completely, and he starts killing everybody with an axe, and he kills Lexi... And um, kills Alexander, finishes him off after uh, Hellhammer eats all the cocaine and eats his face off. And then then Macon kills Bill with a chainsaw. And yeah, Macon kills a lot of people with chainsaws. Um, but basically, then uh, Chris gets free because Lexi was untying him before she got murdered. And Bill starts chasing him. And there's this party they keep talking about in the movie by someone named Cicero, which that's an artist's name. And they end up at Cicero at a Halloween party. And like, I think the best thing is like they're both hiding from each other. And like Bill's just in his costume and he's just murdered a bunch of people. And he's just like at the bar getting like the signature drink. Okay. And he's just like, I did want to bring something real quick that I thought was uh, funny right before that happened. So it's like Chris. I love this little moment. Uh, Chris is running from Bill, and he gets to the rooftop. He gets, like, a little bit ahead of him, and he, like, goes pee, which I'm like, it's so realistic because I imagine he's been holding it all night. 
And oh, I yeah, because... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, yeah, because you don't really get to see those human moments in scary movies. But, yeah, it's like he's been tied up all night. He didn't piss himself. So, he, the first thing he does when he gets a break, he does go pee. So... Yeah, and, like, it was... Also funny because he tells a story in the truth serum where he had actually shat himself once because he uh, was holding it. He like got into traffic on the way to his cousin's wedding and he was in the wedding party and he had to poop in his pants. And so they kept asking him, did you pee yourself like all night? And so he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He, he, he's, he succeeded once again. Like, this is just a night of first for Chris. So they're at the party. And finally, like, they escape, but, like, he escapes, but then he ends up at, a, at an art exhibit, and, like, Bill knows the guy running it, and he's like, oh, my God, they're letting people in the door? Oh, no. Like, I gotta shut this down. And but he's like, oh, at least there's a real artist, and he starts talking to him. And, like, the performance artist, just a bunch of people, like, painted, like, naked people, like, you know, like, people do, like, body paint and stuff, but they're just all, like, sitting in a room, and it's, like, performance art. And Bill goes fucking crazy and just starts screaming, which is the tagline of the movie. Everybody dies. And he just starts chopping everybody to death. And Chris is trying to hide. And finally, Chris, does Macon come bring? I think Macon brings the chainsaw back in. Yeah. So what happens is that Macon is on like the rooftop of the party, which is like um, like the floor above yes. the room they're in. And yes. Macon like accidentally goes over the building. He's like, Lexi! And the chainsaw's hanging there. And, and so, it's still plugged in. Yeah, it's still he's trying plugged to in. find a plug. Yes. And so to defend himself, Chris takes the chainsaw. And this apparently they did use um, computer-generated special effects by I think his name was Chris Connolly, who's a visual effects artist for the, just the chainsaw blades, but the rest of it was a practical effect. And so they like he like saws his head in half. It's great, and there's just blood everywhere. It's great, and then like. The best part is, after this, like, Chris has, like, defeated the bad guys, which I felt bad that Chris had to kill somebody, because, like, now he's gonna have to go work at the police department and be like, dude, I had to kill somebody in self-defense, but it's okay. Also, his fingerprints are probably on the chainsaw, so I always worry about this stuff. I'm like, so are you gonna get caught? I don't know. But he leaves, uh, and everybody thinks it's just a performance art piece, because that's what they thought it was. But then he walks out slowly and grabs the cell phone of, like, the security guard at the door and just dials 911 and says, it's real. And then walks out and he walks home. And I love this part because his little alarm for his anxiety pills goes off and he just throws them away. He's like, I don't fucking need these anymore. And it's like, he also doesn't have his wallet or anything because they took his wallet. So he can't ride the subway. He's just, like, literally walking he walks oh, home and oh. almost morning while he gets home and uh, Sir Lancelot is sitting in his chair and he goes up. He's like, Sir Lancelot, please move. And he does. And Chris can sit and enjoy his Halloween. Also, he puts a pumpkin over Bill's head, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, I love this movie. I love that it like there's like a nice little circle back. Like everything comes back around and it's a real journey of a character. Which I don't think you always see in horror movies. Like, he he has a character arc. You know, he becomes Sir Lancelot. He slays the beasts. Yeah, I like, I like the way that... I like I like that you said it like that. Yeah, he, he kind of embodies his cat. <laughs> um, it's great. And his costume, because his costume was also a knight. So, obviously, he likes knights. 
Um, I also like the special effects and the, you know, pretentious artists getting their comeuppance. Although I felt bad for Macon and I thought Lexi was a bitch, but I don't think she was evil. I felt kind of bad for Macon and Lexi because, like, I was like, oh, like, maybe they could have made it. Especially Macon because he obviously was, like, in love with her. I don't, I feel bad. I don't think so. Just be, the only reason I say that is, like, I like Macon, but I feel like Lexi was, like, one of those girls that... Probably was just living the high life, like, you know, young, beautiful, and wasn't interested in having a serious relationship, is what I felt. Because yeah, apparently they had been friends for years, because he was like, remember that time that we were, like, smoking weed in the car? Like, they've known each other for a long time, and she's still like, yeah, but no, friend zone, so sad. Um, but, uh, I don't know, Make- I guess Macon could still be alive, because he fell off the roof, but maybe he survives? I don't know. He's the only oh. one you don't see definitively dead, I think. I don't know. That was a pretty tall, tall like, drop. Yeah. Oh, also, he does eventually take the werewolf mask off, and, like, the special effects of his, like, bloody bird face is awesome. Yeah, like, that was effects. really cool. That was really scary, too. I was like, ah! Like, you know... I think- <laughs> That part got me more than any of the other, like, injuries or effects. So I was like, oh, yeah. my God, that's really bad. The second time, not so much. But the first time, I really wasn't expecting it. So I think if you like special effects, this one's really good to watch. Um, but, yeah, like, I really liked a lot of it. I think, what is there anything you didn't like, Brittany? Uh, um, for me, like, it was a good movie. Um, like I said, I, I wished I had watched it in different circumstances. I felt like if I had watched it with, like, a group of friends, I probably would have got more enjoyment out of it. Um, it's definitely a fun movie. It's not, like, a very reflective, like, we can look for hidden meanings in it, which doesn't make it a bad movie. I think it's still an enjoyable movie. I just think there was some slower parts, and I do think the humor is a very particular brand of humor. And I think, like... So this is one of those movies that, like, I didn't laugh out loud, but I did this kind of, like, you know, like, yeah. okay, that's kind of amusing. Like <laughs> I laughed a couple times the second time. I think I laughed more the first time because I didn't know things were coming. But I did laugh a bit. I, I kind of liked it. But more of, like, a, <laughs> I like this. It's fun. It's a good little ride. But, yeah, I think I agree. Like, some of it gets kind of slow. It kind of lulls in the middle. And also, I didn't love the music all the time. Sometimes yeah. it was fine. But it kind of sounded like he just took, like, royalty-free music, but he didn't, like, look for a lot of it. And it didn't really seem to fit. Like, it was, like, it was, like, rip-off, um, like, Halloween soundtrack music. Yeah. And, but it wasn't very good. I think, I, I, they made this movie for, like, I think it was, like, 190000 to $230,000, according yeah. to Wikipedia. So it's very, it's under a million dollars. So they, they didn't make it for very much money at all. So they didn't really have a lot of money. So I'm sure the music was like the last thing they thought of. Also, there's a ripoff thriller song at the end. Like, it's like, it's after midnight. Something's going down in the world. And you're like, what? What's go- is this thriller or what is it? I love it. It reminded me of the Birdemic soundtrack. Have you ever seen the really bad movie Birdemic where they just repeat the same, like, Da, 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 da. They uh-uh. just repeat the same line of music over and over again because they're so cheap. Um, so yeah, like I think the music kind of took me out of it the second time. I don't think I noticed it the first time, but the second time I was like, "Yeah, this music doesn't really fit the mood right now." And I, he does get better in that 
with Blue Ruin and Green Room. But I think this movie's worth a watch, especially because it's on Netflix and it's it's fun. It's more fun than some of the other movies we've, we've watched. It's not something that I can say, you shouldn't watch it because it's going to scar you for life. It's very fun, but there's a lot of blood and gore. So if you if you don't like blood and gore, maybe don't watch this one. But it's not, I don't know, it's kind of cartoony, even though it's realistic. Yeah. I don't know. Am I crazy? I feel like that's a... Yeah, I feel like other than, like, the gore at the very, very end, like, I don't know. I almost felt like other than the gore and then some of, like, maybe the sexual scenes, this could have been a PG-13 movie, maybe? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, Hocus Pocus, but, like, that kind of feel, because it's, like, Halloween-y and, like, things are happening, but it's not... And the language is bad, but it's not like there's not like rape. There's not like naked people everywhere. Um, it's not scary because there's no yeah. one really stalking anybody. It's very upfront with what it is. It is a murder party. Um, but I just love it's a nice like like person stuck in a situation movie. Um, but yeah, also apparently because uh, the guy that played Chris, Chris. Uh, he hadn't acted with Jeremy Saulnier before because he was like one of the only people who hadn't worked with them before. He was like, I wasn't sure if he'd be a good actor or not. So I was like, I guess his mouth will just be gagged most of the movie and we'll see. Like, that's pretty funny. I mean, that's true. Like, but he seemed like a fine, he seemed like he did a good job, honestly. I think he did a great job. I think the, honestly, I believe all of these people are their characters. Like, they're pretty believable. The only person that kind of maybe was, eh, was maybe Paul and Alexander. But Alexander did make me hate his guts. So, he survived. Yes. I mean, he survived. I mean, not survived. He passed. He did not survive. (laughs) Thank you, Hellhammer. Yes, Um, Hellhammer. I like Hellhammer. On another Uh, note, I had to say that uh, I don't know what the dog who played Hellhammer's name really was. But Sir Lancelot's real name was Puff Snooty. I thought that I was I know! Right. I couldn't find Hellhammer's name either. I was looking. Maybe his name is Hellhammer. I know, maybe. Maybe it's like the actors. They just used his real name. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it probably was one of their dogs. Honestly. Because this movie was so cheaply made. I think most... Because the girl who played Sky did a bunch of, like, special effects stuff. Like... Everybody did stuff behind the scenes. So I'm sure it was like, hey, who has a dog? Oh, yeah, Hellhammer? Bring Hellhammer in. Which makes sense because also it makes sense why he'd be tied up most of the movie outside. Because animal actors are notorious hard to work with. Notoriously hard to work with. So it's probably like, okay, the dog won't cooperate and he's going to go outside. And we'll just film him in scenes. And Shiba Inus are like, they're very smart. But they're also like, I've seen people try to train them. But they're very willful. Yeah. And they're very stubborn, but they're very smart. They're just well, very even, stubborn. Even like Mabel, who's obviously not a Shiba in you, but just sleeping behind me on the bed. Uh, so she's smart and she's sweet, but uh, she does this thing. So we uh, we taught her how to lay down. Um, but she kept when she first learned how to lay down, she was she kept thinking like when we were trying to teach her to lay down to shake a paw. So now whenever we give her a treat, she keeps uh, sitting. Shaking Paul laying down in rapid succession. And she keeps doing the same thing over and over again. Um, just because she thinks that's the fastest way to get a treat. Which is really cute. Uh, but it is. It's like, 
it's just like I said, they're notoriously hard because once they get an idea in their head, it's hard to like teach them otherwise. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents' dog Jenny is like that. Like, I'll be like, okay, do your tricks. Like, shake paw up high, and then she'll just like look at my hand for like, where's the treat? Give me yeah. a treat. And I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 you know these things. You calm down. Now, if, if there's not a lot of people around, she's calm and she'll do it. But like, it's like they get performance anxiety and they just want food and they get excited. Yeah, very funny. So, but I did like Hellhammer. There's both a cat and a dog in this movie, and neither one of them die. Thank God. Yes. I was like, yeah, actually, the dog gets revenge, and the cat just, you know, has to sit on the floor, but that's fine. That's like a win in my eyes, for sure. Right. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was fine. I, I liked it. I think it's, it's making fun of, like, pretentious artists, and it's a good... I would definitely recommend this for a good Halloween movie night, like... Watch this. Watch. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other funny, like not scary Halloween movies. This is one of those like I don't wouldn't call it scary. Uh, watch some Goosebump movies. I uh, love Trick or Treat. Now Trick or Treat can be a little scary, but it's really really fun and I, and it's hilarious. I I've seen that movie probably eight times and I still laugh every time I ooh, see it. You know what's really good and I hope we do it at some point is Behind the Mask. Have you I seen it? Okay, I have to give credit. I, I I can't remember which of my sorority sisters whose idea it was to watch this, but one of my sorority sisters uh, in Alpha Gamma Delta um, decided to uh, watch this movie like in our in somebody's dorm when I was probably like a freshman because I think I was still living in the dorms. And it's like it's it's like a found footage movie, but it's not what you think a found footage movie is. It's like this uh, documentary film crew. Um, has a subject who says he's like a Michael Myers killer and they're not sure if he's crazy or telling the truth so they're interviewing him and his name is Leslie Vernon and he's like yeah I'm going to take revenge on this town and so they're following him but he's like this fun guy and he's really funny but they follow him around preparing to do like a Michael Myers kill fest and they end up like it more involved than they're supposed to be and it's it's very interesting and it's a very good if you like horror movies it's a great movie to watch and it's pretty funny it gets a little spooky but not scary um but yeah it's a really good like this movie and that movie would be really good together uh, maybe hocus pocus maybe some halloween town isn't as well made, but I do love me some Halloween Town. Under Wraps is my favorite. Oh, I uh, love Under Wraps. I own it on, like, what else on Disney okay. Plus? But I owned, I bought it, I owned it. I bought it on um, Amazon Prime before, you, like, they had Disney Plus. Because uh, I bought that Halloween Town and Don't Look Under the Bed. Under Wraps and Suzy Q was, like, my two favorites. <gasps> I love Suzy Q. I love Suzy Q, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I need to watch that on Disney Plus. I do love Suzy Q. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I like this movie. I think it's good, but it's definitely like it was not. A, it's not like a brilliant movie, but I think it's like a little. It's like a little horror gem, horror comedy gem. That if you and honestly, like if you like Jeremy Saulnier's movies, you'll probably like it. A lot. I don't think anybody would like this movie, but it's a little dry humor. The humor is yeah. very dry, but 
If you think artists are pretentious, you'll especially like this one. <laughs> you know, so that's good. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I guess that's, I mean, I can't think of anything else to talk about. I think we talked about kind of the production and everything. I do like that um, they did work together and it's kind of, I, I love the story of them all like being friends and stuff. I think that's great. And I, I don't know, it's kind of a fun movie to watch. I'm glad everybody liked it. I'm glad we both liked it because I was afraid when I was watching, I was like, you know, this is a lot more like, not lowbrow, but just a lot more like fun than I remembered yeah. it. Like, I was like, whereas like, if you've seen Blue Ruin, you're going to think like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be like spoopy and scary and all that stuff. But this one's more just fun. And so. I can appreciate that from a director. Like, I mean... For example, like, I love Tarantino movies because, like, I kind of know with a Tarantino movie, like, there's going to be certain elements that's the same in every single film. But I also like it when directors just, like, every single one of their movies are different, too. It's a really mm-hmm. nice surprise. Yeah. That's like, like, David Robert Mitchell. Like, his is so different every time. So, yeah. and this is, like, well, I will say, so Jeremy Sonny, this is so much different than Blue Ruin and Green Room. But Green Room and Blue Ruin are very similar to each other. Like, like I, I want him to explore more, which is why I'm like, I think him doing Hold the Dark might be a good thing because if it's too much like Green Room and Blue Ruin, it might get him to do something a little more different because he is a really good director. And especially in Blue Ruin, the cinematography he has in his movies is very good. And honestly, like, for being an older movie that they had really cheap video equipment on... Like, this movie actually looks really good for what they were working with. Like, it's not gorgeous, but it is good. Yeah. I would not call this movie, like, an auteur movie, though. This is not one of those, like, oh, it's amazing. This is one of those, like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Like, it's fun. It's a fun little romp. Yes. But, you know, sometimes we want to do fun little romps and not just depressing movies. Plus, yes. I don't know. It's been kind of depressing lately. And, you know, life life can come at you hard sometimes. So, yeah. I really liked it. So, we've only talked for three hours this time. So, that's Woo! good. And only, like, probably two of those is about the movie. So, that's good. So, I guess let's go for ratings. Did you have a rating for this one, Brittany? Um, not a great one, I'll be honest. I put R for a rough night. K-N-I-G-H-T. I put... Okay, I had three. I had three. Um, <laughs> I had... <clears throat> I had... Rated M for melting werewolves and mayhem-wielding chainsaws. Oh. Which might be... Melting werewolves might be fine by itself. Yes. Um... And then rated S for Sir Lancelot, which was just cute because he's a cat. And then rated <laughs> E for Everybody Dies because that was the, the what they yelled. But I kind of like the Melting Werewolves one. It's probably my favorite. What do you think? I like that one, too. Okay. Melting Werewolves. <laughs> okay. So I guess we need to pick our next movie. So next week on Grindhouse Girls podcast, we will be reviewing the uh, David David Lynch 1986 uh, thriller movie Blue Velvet, uh, which is actually right now streaming on Amazon Prime. 
And as Brittany pointed out while we were discussing it, one of the only three X-rated films to be nominated for an Oscar? Yeah, nominated for Best Picture. So Best yeah, Picture. Blue Velvet, A Clockwork Orange, and Midnight Cowboy are the only three X-rated films to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Um, Midnight Cowboy actually won uh, for Best Picture, which is really cool that year. Yeah. Now, Adjusted by Today's Standards is an R-rated movie. So, um, obviously, rating systems have changed over time, but still pretty risque, for sure. I mean, Blue Velvet's got some... Have you seen it yet, Brittany? Blue Velvet? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, it's good. I have to say... My boyfriend's friend, Michael Paul, was, I think, I wanted to see it for a long time because it was, again, on Bravo's Scariest Movie Moments. Um, but I was like, he said something about it. And so I finally watched it. And I have watched it probably three or four times since then. Oh, wow. It's, it's really good. There's a lot of stuff in it. And um, it's, I think it's David Lynch's best movie that I've seen. Um, I think it's better than Mulholland Drive. Although Mulholland Drive is very beautiful and has more of like a thematic element to it. Um, Blue Velvet has more of a storyline. <laughs> so it's a little easier to follow. Okay, so thanks for listening. Like and subscribe on Instagram and Facebook and the website, grindhousegirlspod.com. We're on Captivate and Facebook. Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a ton of other places. If you have a friend that likes spoopy movies, please recommend the podcast to them and um, recommend us some movies because we've got a list of like 160, but we're always adding new ones. Yes, for sure. Awesome. Okay, guys. We love you very much and stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all! <laughs> I like saying that. I think that's our catchphrase, stay y'all. <laughs> I said that on one thing, and now I'm like, stay spoopy, y'all! I've become super southern. Okay. Bye, guys. Love Bye. you. Love you. Good night, Bye, Brittany. Bye. Bye. <laughs>